Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Anakatabi is an American-Iranian radical anti-capitalist and a rising voice in the fashion industry. She's been at the forefront of questioning labor practices and fast fashion, misconceptions of Islam and exclusion and feminism. She's also the author of the online political fashion publication Juju Azad and the book Tehran Street Style. But you might also know her for this amazing clapback on WGN Morning News. A lot of Americans might take offense to that. You're an American. You I don't yeah. sound like an American if you say that. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's because I've read, you know? Yeah. She's in London to talk at an event hosted by Up Effect on the 19th of February, a crowdfunding and support platform for businesses creating transformative solutions to global issues. As she'll be speaking about ethical business, slow fashion and financial equity, I caught up with her ahead of the event to ask her some hard-hitting questions about how Muslims can exist consciously in a capitalist world. I'm Sara, and this is Small Talk with Huda Kartabi. Huda, can you define conscious capitalism for us, and does it even exist? Yeah, um, conscious, <laughs> conscious, conscious capitalism is a myth. Um, I think that capitalism inherently is violent and requires systemic injustice. So um, unless conscious capitalism means that you're aware of capitalism, like consciousness of capitalism. Um, otherwise, I think that a lot of people tend to to think that you can buy your way into liberation or, um, but that's all just um. In recent years, the fashion industry has made attempts to catch on to consciousness and buy their way into liberation, as Huda says. A growing interest in more conscious choices galvanized by the world of social media has forced a magnifying glass on the world's biggest brands. But a lack of awareness around what fast fashion is and an increased demand for modest fashion and more representation may be experiencing a blind spot in the conversation on fast fashion inhibiting the process of combating what Huda says is an inherently violent form of fashion production. Most of the brands that we probably shop at, Primark, Gap, H&M, Zara, um, are involved in. So essentially fast fashion prioritizes speed and uh, quantity over anything else, so over quality, over garment worker rights. Um, and so fast fashion uh, requires a, an output that is literally impossible and these standards are known to be impossible but because the standard and the the bar is so high for the amount of shirts you have to produce in an hour say that then you get to use violence as a means of speeding up production um, creating a a shroud of secrecy and retaliation if people speak out about their conditions Um, it really works to, to not only really oppress and exploit particularly women garment workers, because it's a women-dominated industry, but also hide them and intentionally silence them. So we are not only allowed to, to, to hear from them, but they're also like strategically hidden away in like quote-unquote third-world countries where we don't see their faces or hear their voices. On top of that, the sort of surge of particularly hijabi or women of color taking up space in um, 
brand advertisements it at some degree is like yay representation hurrah let's like you know open a bottle of water um or <laughs> there but like but i think what we are lacking in this conversation is like at whose expense and um the majority of these brands like nike for example um and so many other brands like gap and fast fashion that are really using muslim women violence and exploitation to create this clothes are now trying to come out and say like oh my god we support muslims leaving hijabi i can say this but no one else can especially men um no i'm kidding on hijabis can say this too only if you're a woman though anyway <laughs> um i think that it's it's a really fascinating phenomena in a way that we tend to do is like we self tokenize ourselves for a white audience um and for like this western gaze which i think is like wildly fascinating um we rely on like our identity being sort of like the first of something and therefore it is like this major accomplishment and xyz so um for example if you're like the first hijabi who has seen like this particular turtle today then like you want to make headlines but like rather we should be asking the question like why haven't you like held the hands of your other hijabi sisters and showed them this turtle together um rather than just like seeing it and claiming sort of ownership of being first and i think that it it's oftentimes distant as well like you're really cutting off a lot of the community because like how do you know that like another hijabi has not seen this turtle just because you feel like you're the first and i feel like we see that a lot especially in the united states um where like chances are a black muslim woman has probably done it before given the history of black muslims in the united states so i think there's there's two parts there's one that you're just like cut off with your own history um and two that you're just not with your community and i think that those are both really big questions for people who are trying to be the first in something other than just trying to push an idea or push like a community forward do you think we're compromising islamic ethics for the sake of representation ooh that's a great question um i think i don't want to generalize obviously that like we all the muslims <laughs> the ummah <laughs> um as in like a sheikh that shouldn't be speaking but um I do think that we're we're in a troubling place particularly young Muslims living in the west that I think there's so much allure to capitalism and there's so much allure to this um this lifestyle that is based in consumption really based in like um shallow representation we're allowing our identity to be negotiated um for corporations and for like corporate ownership of identity in a way that i think that we're almost stepping away from community to do so and i think that for me i i have found it so refreshing to be in intergenerational spaces and like learning about colonialism empire like what that did to my own family or like generations of of people in the community that i live in and i think that sometimes it it's difficult to like approach those conversations but i do feel that cutting ourselves off sometimes and like trying to to be quote unquote modern um which i think is a ridiculous term because everyone living right now is a modern human being it's just like an orientalist like drab um and i think that's i i do think that i'm anxious about the direction that we're heading but i'm also inspired like there's so many young people particularly muslim women who are leading community organizing and challenging like sexism within the muslim community and outside of it and i think there's so much that like gets me really excited in terms of like people just taking up their agency but i think that there are obviously like always challenges as we continue to move forward too hudza's focus on community growth is at the forefront of every challenge in this discussion she acknowledges that from the perspective of business owners running a completely ethical business in today's economic context is incredibly difficult and for her a financially equitable world is just not possible in capitalist structures 
However, awareness at consumer level is key, and choices made within Islamic parameters can also help or further our understanding of an ethical lifestyle. Personally, I kind of want to shift our understandings away from businesses into communities as a way of ethics and a source of um, moving forward and progress, um, rather than sort of like buying a pair of shoes and other pair of shoes getting donated to like the city of Africa. <laughs> so um, I think that we have to be really cautious. I do think that ethics is right now trending um, in the business world, especially like in the fashion world. And I think that there are obviously pros to that. I do think that there are more ethical forms of production. I think there are more ethical um, forms of consumption, i.e. just limiting your spending. I think that there are many aspects of Islam that really challenge what we take for granted in a capitalistic world. Interest, for example, on loans. Um, you know, the the saying that it's harder for a rich person to go through the eye of a needle than... No. Rich person going to heaven. <laughs> just stuff all the rich people into eyes of needles. <laughs> Harder for a rich person to get to heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Um, so I think that I think there's a clear um, conversation about wealth and wealth accumulation and the destruction of that on both the world, but also our internal psyche and our ability to, to get a, a great afterlife. And also a, a real focus time after time again in the Quran about like focus on the hereafter and like you're temporary in this world. So I think that talking again about like that mental understanding and our emotional and spiritual relationship to consumption, clothes and money and things like that. I think Islam definitely is like hitting the mark in terms of like severing that and understanding that like your time here is very limited. And so, you know, like, are you, would you really hoard so much if you're going on like a trip around the world or like, you know, it, you probably wouldn't. So like thinking about our like time here on earth in like a similar way as well. So is an ethical lifestyle available for everyone? What about marginalised communities, individuals living in poverty? Can they make high standard ethical decisions about something like fashion? Mm, great question. Um, I think really at the core is like severing a relationship between our emotional connection to products and our emotional idea about consumption, like self-care, expressing love on Valentine's Day we just passed, you know, like all of these sorts of expressions of emotion both for ourselves and for others we express that with like consumption and so like that is just like one thing that you don't have to have money or you could have all the money in the world and kind of it's like a, a way of thinking I think that we need to be changing I think it's more of like a cultural shift um than maybe necessarily immediately a physical one but I do think that um both parts really have to work together I think that there is definitely an accessibility of ethical fashion, especially for people who are trying to consume at the same amount. But the whole idea behind an ethical lifestyle is like limiting consumption. Um, I think it's harder for people in a way to who have like have so much money to like tell them not to spend it. Um, but obviously like I, the amount of like change needed for someone who is spending so much already and like has such a like high, rich, luxurious lifestyle is like a more drastic change than maybe some people who like don't have as much. Um, in a way, they're already living a quasi-ethical lifestyle. And so I think that we can also rethink that, like, what that trajectory looks like from, like, a quote-unquote non-ethical to an ethical um, lifestyle. And I think it's it's in many ways and more than just one. Um, in terms of... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The, though fashion specifically, I do think that if people spend the same amount as they do um, buying like, you know, maybe like 10 shirts of like at Forever 21 or Primark for a more UK <laughs> reference, uh, Primark, as you all say, Primark. Um, I think that if you just bought like one shirt at an ethical fashion outlet that like costs the same amount as the 10, the point is to just consume less and that shirt will last you longer anyway. So I think it does come down to just like a rethinking of our relationship to our clothes and being able to think about like where we're spending and what is worth investing on. Okay, so what can we start doing tomorrow and long term? <laughs> Revolution. <laughs> um, Loki, kidding. High key, not. Um, I do think that it's an obligation to be challenging systems and structures rather than just like trying to find the best way to thrive in them. Um, like the system that we're living in in the United States, UK, anywhere across Europe much of the world um if it's sexist like it's an obligation to be challenging that if it's capitalist you know we have to have an idea about how to challenge that whether it's through local community building whether it's through like different you know different ways to to organize but i do think that it's a responsibility to be fighting injustice whatever that might look like and whoever that might be against um and i do think that it it is very difficult for me at least as a muslim to live um, with a free conscience in a capitalistic world and a society that I know is racist, sexist, um, imperialist. You know, I think that, for example, it's important for me as a Muslim to be challenging the military if I live in the West because I'm living at the expense of like what the military has caused around the world. So I think we have to make sure that we're checking our privilege constantly, despite the fact that, yes, there's oppression against Muslims, but we also have privilege living here. Um, and so how can we use that privilege to be able to like support our, our siblings like globally? Huda's acclaimed online publication, Juju Azad, is Farsi for Freebird. Her interest and focus today on activism and community spaces have been in part a result of her formative experiences with anti-Muslim racism, physical assault, and facing discrimination within the Muslim community for being a Shia Muslim. Um, so I was born and raised in Oklahoma. For the Brits who don't know where that is, it's right above Texas. Um, very racist. <laughs> and there was not really a Muslim community at all there. So I didn't really grow up going to the masjid. I didn't really grow up with the Muslim community. I made my first Muslim friend in college, actually, in Chicago. So uh, it was a very difficult upbringing in terms of, like, my faith. Uh, I started wearing a hijab in sixth grade, and that was by far the worst year of my life. Like, I was physically assaulted. Hijab was pulled off. Like, it was wild. People are racist as hell. Um, and so that, for me, in and of itself, like, the resistance in the face of anti-Muslim racism, for me, was a very empowering tool. But <laughs> it really um, helped me, I think, get a deeper understanding of my identity and why I do the things that I do and what's important to me and what's worth fighting for. So I think that experience alone um, made me 
make have to make decisions about like all right do i want to look muslim in this country like what what is important to me in my faith and what's important for me even at the face of violence to hold on to um as a shia i think sunni spaces almost do almost the same in many ways for me as well feeling comfortable as a shia and sunni masjids um identifying as a shia um and sunni like gatherings i think automatically is like very causing a lot of antagonism and that has always been really problematic for me as a result like there are less Shia spaces and like I've felt like I haven't been able to learn as much about Shiism as I wish I could have or but I plan on <laughs> uh, just because of I think the animosity between or of Sunnis typically against Shias that I find difficult to navigate um, and makes it even more difficult to have honest conversations about like what are the differences and what unites us and you know how can we like work together for for larger goals um but specifically within shiism i think i do think that you know the story of ali the story of ahlul bayt i think a lot of the stories within islam themselves are just show um so many things against you know fighting injustice um patience uh, things that i i struggle with patience still <laughs> a lot of you know character traits that we can see embodied in the prophet and his family um so some that i think are really beautiful that for me are constant reminders of like what we should be striving toward and and how and she doesn't just talk the talk hud has launched a fashion production cooperative called blue tin production co-op it's poignantly named after the blue danish biscuit tin some of us know all too well as the purveyor of dreams our namesake is i don't know if it's here do you guys do this too like the danish blue cookie tin that oh my god i love that it's universal it's the danish blue cookie tin that every mother in diaspora every woman of color really like stores her sewing kit in um and so in an attempt to pay homage to that that's where our namesake comes in she says that the cooperative which is run together with refugee and immigrant women in chicago has been transformative for her in so many ways one of them being unlearning hierarchy uh it basically is a production clothing manufacturing cooperative um working to address two major issues the first being the lack of ethical transparent clothing production in the United States uh clearly <laughs> uh, there's a lot of production that takes place in Los Angeles but a lot of that is actually sweatshops um really opaque really difficult to understand um who's getting paid how things are being divided up and then the second uh goal or challenge that we're trying to address is just like a lack of really well-paid dignified work for refugee and immigrant women who have suffered a lot of trauma So in the United States there's roughly about 4 3 to 4 months that a refugee has to quote unquote assimilate and like get a job but if you don't speak English you just like lost your family that's uh, quite impossible and ridiculous. So I think being able to to look at labor really holistically so in an attempt to look at it non-capitalistically uh like we provide all these services for the members of the cooperative um including healthcare, mental health, dental health um before they even start working so like their ability to seek care is not connected to their ability to work um and on top of that it's all like self run so it's a cooperative so it's not like me telling women what to do who have been working in this industry for decades but it's everyone kind of sitting around a table um sitting in identical chairs <laughs> um being like all right like what do you think we should be doing next what do you think we should be doing next week like how should we structure this like what times like do you want to come to work i have to drop my kid off in the morning great we won't start at 9 you know so being able to to really make the cooperative meet all of the needs of the members because who knows those better than themselves and so why should i be dictating all of that so um it's been a really beautiful experience transformative for me and i love how really intergenerational it is too
what can we do to improve the status of ethical fashion in our own homes? Um, first and foremost, stop shopping. <laughs> Limit your consumption. Um, secondly, I would say rethink your relationship with your clothing as well as just your relationship with purchasing things. Um, why are you purchasing things? Like, what does that mean to you? Are you buying them because you're depressed? Are you buying them to show love or appreciation? So being able to rethink our relationship with capitalism. Um, fashion is a form of art and all art is political because you're either using your, your medium, your powerful mode of communication as a way to challenge the status quo, make people think differently um, and and really make social commentary or you're not and silence is complacency. So um, fashion is a form of art despite the fact that capitalism has kind of eroded that for us. Um, we, through like fashion, we're able to tell our own stories and we're able to, to talk about, you know, how we want to fashion our bodies in public space. So we can talk about gender. Um, we express class, we express cultural values, we express religious values. There's so much that is really, um, communicated via the way that we dress. Um, and how that changes in different contexts is like deeply and wildly political. The third thing, um, the way that I always kind of have people conceptualize their closets is like thinking about your wardrobe like you would an art gallery. So an art gallery isn't like like dripping in, <laughs> in art pieces. You know, you have a collection of each piece that is worth a lot and also says a lot about you, the curator. So just as we admire like a painting for each brush stroke and the brush strokes each comprise the painting and, are, and kind of contribute value to it, we should be looking at our clothes the same way. So each thread, each, um, each time a seam is sewn, I think it's really important that we understand that that contributes to the piece a whole and it's not, um, it's not severed from who made it. And that in fact really informs you know, the, how the piece looks like and like what the piece can provide us um, on even like a spiritual level. So I think, for example, like what does it mean that something that's the product of violence is constantly touching our skin? Um, and like, what, is, what does that mean on like a, a psychological level or a spiritual level for us? Thanks for listening to this episode of Small Talk. Remember to head on over to theuppereffect.com and get your tickets to join Huda Live for a discussion on ethical business, slow fashion and financial equity. You can find more episodes of Small Talk at the Amalia Voices podcast on SoundCloud, Apple and wherever else you get your podcasts. We'd love to get your feedback, so hit us up at contribute at amalia.com and tell us what you liked or took away from this episode. You can find Amalia on Instagram at amalia underscore com and on Twitter at amalia underscore tweets. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Sarah Amin, and music by Ryan Little, who you can find on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. A massive thank you to Huda Kartavi for joining us at Small Talk. Like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.